Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. For more information, visit meusa.com. Season two of Meet and Three is almost here. We're kicking off with a show all about football. I am excited. It's so much fun. <laughs> we'll tell you how to master the tailgating scene with help from some Atlanta chefs. The sky's the limit when it comes to tailgating. Yeah, do something that you, you can pull off without stressing yourself too much. Then we'll look at what's good and bad about players' diets, whether they're an NFL star or just made the JV team at their high school. And that's when I was told the first time, well, just take them to McDonald's and feed them feed Big Macs and milkshakes. There's a greater percentage of guys that have a, a, a clear focus on what they're putting in their body. You know, in SEC school, people are fans, but we also have to realize that they're kids. They're 18 to 22, 23-year-olds. Subscribe to Meet and 3 wherever you listen to podcasts and be the first to know when season two drops. Welcome to Thumbnet About It, HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Izette. And I'm Rachel Jacobs. And we're your co-hosts through this weekly journey of all things fermented. Uh, Hosted on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and right here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Basically anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Anywhere you find great podcasts, like this one. All right, announcement. So Kuzma's not with us this weekend because he is finishing a brew. It's actually an anniversary brew. Fifth Hammer's turning... One on September 29th. Oh, my God. It it can drink? Yeah. Almost. Uh, So the only announcement that I have is Blocktoberfest is coming up. If you are in the New York City area, there will be over 25 of your favorite New York City breweries um, at a festival on October 6th from 1 to 5 p.m. at The Well in Bushwick, Brooklyn, or East Williamsburg, depending on your sense of geography depending on your real estate agent yes (laughs) um anyway it's going to be a great time and you can find out more information and buy tickets at nycbrew.com uh chris and i will be there representing fifth hammer as well as a lot of other new york city breweries It's, it's always a really really good time yeah i've heard really good things about it and the well is just like a really cool space um there's a lot of great beers there there's a lot of great uh seating and, and a lot a big outdoor area and if you haven't been there even if you can't make it to this event definitely you should drop by yep also this neighborhood is up and coming speaking of bushwick east williamsburg um i think we congratulated kcbc last week that's right we headed mm-hmm. actually after the show last week we headed over to their first anniversary or second anniversary, second anniversary. sorry mm-hmm. so happy two to kcbc and then Innerborough spirits and ales which is also here in bushwick actually a short walking distance away um just turned two as well so happy birthday to them uh my brother has been in town from atlanta he just he's flying out tonight but it actually i've been out of the brewery a lot this last week and it so happened to coincide with a heck of a lot of evening events uh so i've actually been to like five or six breweries in the last week at least maybe more um which has been pretty cool to see. So today we went on a graffiti walking tour of Bushwick. Oh, no. 
dude, it's holy cow. I had no idea. So if you don't know, there's a ton of graffiti art um, in Bushwick. There's uh, something called the Bushwick Arts Collective, Bushwick Collective, Bushwick Arts Collective. Yeah, Arts Collective. Um, Yeah. So I and I've walked by a bunch of this just, you know, going to KCBC or here or whatever, but never really walked the whole thing. And wow, there's some awesome art. And it was a lot of fun. But we just so happened to be walking by where Braven is going Mm. in and sure enough their soft opening is uh tomorrow actually so they will be open for business they're the newest um they've been brewing either gypsy or contract or like partner brewing where they were actually doing the brewing at another facility and they're actually opening a brewery and restaurant here in bushwick actually just a couple of blocks from where we are uh so brave and brewing so they'll be open i think next they should be open next week anyway cool spot cool yeah, very so cool. Congratulations to them. Congrats. Oh, it's 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 a good time for breweries in in Brooklyn. Um, and speaking of good times for breweries in Brooklyn, we've got uh, two brewers from two different breweries in Brooklyn here tonight. We have on uh, Jason Saylor from Stronger Brewing. Uh, you might have heard him on episodes. 171, 152, and 87 goes way back, way back <laughs> to before Strong Rope even existed. Yep. And we oh, have Jeff wow. Lyons from Keg and Lantern, who we had on episode 195. Sweet. Hey, hey, guys, how you doing? What episode are we on now? We are on episode 233. Okay. Mm. <laughs> yes. And so, okay, before this last week's journey, oh, no, actually, I guess it started last Thursday, so a week ago, yes. right? That's, yes. And, uh... We were at Five Burrows for the to to brew the collaboration beer that will be canned to be uh, debuted at Blocktoberfest. Yep. And I ran into Bray Taylor, who's our co-brewer, and he's like, "Hey, I'm headed down to Strong Rope." And I was like, "Ooh, I left my poncho there. Can I come with you?" <laughs> I did leave your poncho. <laughs> so there. we rolled in and we sat down and had some beers with Jason. And uh, I realized we hadn't had you on for a while, and you were doing some amazing stuff at Strong Rope. Thank you. Um, so I. I invited him to come on tonight and to specifically to speak more about New York grown ingredients. Of course. And then um, also your amazing manipulation of Scottish ale yeast. I manipulate it well. <laughs> and then, of, then I've ran into Jeff several times in the last week, and I was like, ooh, Jeff would be great too, because you also use a lot of New York state ingredients very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about, because just we've covered some of this in past shows, but assuming. Not everybody's been able to make it through all the shows, and, and maybe not the ones. Let's talk a little bit about the farm license in New yeah. York State. So what is the farm brewing license? Yeah, the, uh, the farm brewery license... Uh, let's get this a little closer. Um, the farm brewing license is the, uh, the license designation that uh, brewers can uh, adopt or, or be part of that, that, uh, that uh, gets um, a brewery... To uh, allows them to brew beer, but they, they need to use a certain amount of uh, New York State ingredients as a part of that that license designation, uh, and they get a couple benefits and everything as a, as a part of it. Um, right now, the license uh, designation started in about 2012, and uh, go uh, right now says states that you have to use about 20% New York State hops uh, and malts uh, per beer. Uh, and that switches to 60% in uh, 2019, beginning of 2019, and then jumps to 90% in uh, 2024. Um, so it's it's we're kind of at that first major kind of milestone, I guess, if you will, uh, to to jump that uh, ingredient usage uh, above that kind of 50% threshold. Um, so it's a it's a it's a pretty big milestone, and it's 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 gonna be interesting to see what happens. It's, there's a lot of breweries. It's there's a lot of breweries that are somewhat worried about it. 
There's a lot of breweries that are embracing it. Um, but it's going to be, I don't, I, I'm, I think it's a, a fascinating time and I don't know exactly where it's going to go from here. So it looks like we got some stuff to look forward to next year about, uh, when it switches over. Yeah. yeah. It, go ahead. Well, and you can, you can hold both licenses as well. You can, which is what we do. Yes. And in that case, you have to brew a certain number of barrels of New York state beer per year Yeah, at this point in time. Right. And I, and I don't remember exact, but it's a lot less, uh, overall. It's, I, I think it's just a handful of barrels. And, and the thing is, uh, when it first came about, um, the, the main benefit of the New York state farm brewery license was to be able to sell pints directly to consumers. Um, so that was really what, uh, drove a lot of breweries that maybe would have not otherwise used New York ingredients, uh, to, to jump on it. Um, but, and then the, the state decided that they would, uh, then push that, uh, benefit to the overall brewing community, which I think in the long run makes more sense because I think it was better for the, the overall, uh, beer, um, ecosystem the breweries within within the entire state not just the farm breweries to to grow and 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 foster a a a a good relationship with consumers and and really create an environment for them to to thrive um you know it's it's so that switch while i think was a good thing in the long run it it did stop people from kind of jumping on with New York ingredients. Yeah. And New York ingredients um so we're I'm I'm strong rope brewery. We're uh you know, we're a, a small brewery in in Gowanus. We're two barrels. Um and at this point we're using 100% New York ingredients for all of our beers. So we've taken on that kind of mantle of trying to uh learn it and be at the forefront and and play around with these ingredients and see what they can do and try to uh, present themselves in the best light possible uh, through the best beers possible in our in our styles. We tend to do English and American style ales, uh, if you will. Um, and with <laughs> there's a lot of like touchy little things with this. Um, there's a lot of breweries that that just don't want to play with those ingredients for certain reasons part of it is they don't think the quality is there part of it they don't understand that the quality is there part of it they think is the um there's uh the price is not right um and and to a point some of these are true and then and you know all these uh make sense to those certain breweries um but you know if you're gonna try to brew a new england style ipa right now if you want those juicy characters you're not necessarily going to get those out of New York hops because the New York hops that we're playing with are all old, predominantly old school varieties. Uh, you know, Cascade, Centennial, Chinook, Nugget, Mount Hood, Willamette. Um, so there's not a ton of things coming to the market at the moment um, that, that, are, that are pushing the boundaries. And what a lot of hoppy breweries right now is they want to push the boundaries, they want to play with that, or they're trying to play catch-up to those breweries that are doing that. Because there's all these experimental varieties coming out of the West Coast that people are playing with, you know, before, you, in, it, at, you know, Citra, Mosaic, Mo, you know, all these other things came out from these different regions. And 
they were new and exciting and they were this and that. And now, you know, the, the breweries that are like kind of at the forefront of hop forward beers are playing with things that are experimental. They don't even have names. And they're, they're playing with these things years before they're going to have a name before the market. And then when that, when that market comes, the breweries that are, weren't quite on that forefront, but are on the next edge are going to be like looking for those. While in New York, we're, you know, we're just trying to, you know, reorganize ourselves into a, uh, you know, hop and malt growing region. You know, prior to Prohibition, there was 50,000 or uh, for over 40,000 acres of hops grown in, in, uh, in New York. And now it's, it's gone to a much smaller uh, amount, about like 400. Yeah, and also I would say that um, the hops, even when you grow like a Cascade hop in New York yeah. State, it's not necessarily going to exhibit the aroma and flavor no. and, and, and um, chemical, you know... No, the the, the the oils, that, right? All of it's all of it's going to showcase itself a little different because mm-hmm. of the growing region, the the climate, all of that stuff. So while I I kind of take that uh, uh, and try to showcase that and see what you can do, it's not necessarily it's it's dependent upon where it's grown. It's dependent on the stock that you got it from. It's dependent upon the grower. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's so it's it's this it's this thing that like is somewhat nebulous and can change from year to year. Um, you know, for the last three years, we've been over three years. Uh, the we have not had the same growing season, weather, uh, all that has changed every year. So it's the growers that we work with. They're great growers and they're working their asses off and uh, putting out some amazing stuff. But they're having to deal with these these varied conditions on, you know, it's, you know, predominantly in uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the Pacific Northwest, it's a dry, arid climate, you know, so they have a very, it used to be very steady. I'm, I don't know what it is right now. I'm sure there's probably some stuff going on with all of weather patterns and everything and climate. Um, but here it's it's so different and they're really trying to to, to kind of get a hold of it and get a, uh, a sense of what to do but each year is so different so they don't even know um but you know but then in the end it's like okay so the cascade and the you know the the on the north fork of long island versus the cascade in the finger lakes versus the cascade in the hudson valley to the central region to the you know the adirondack pacific uh, the not north the north end of uh, new york it's there's there's all these different things and all so there's you get all these there's there's different regions and it's really cool but it's also not necessarily the sexiest thing so well it might take a little more thought and i think you know it depends on your kind of how your brewery is set up right if you are a larger scale brewery that is selling a whole heck of a lot of cans you know whether that be inside or outside of your brewery that's a little more chat you know you're trying to meet public demand right but if you're able to have a tasting room where people can are you know can come in and they want to drink different things they want to try maybe something new they don't have necessarily that expectation that they're going to find you know one style of beer there then that's the great opportunity and i think that's where personally like we've had at fifth hammer like we're able to make beers that that don't 
you know, they're maybe not the sexiest beers, right? The hottest styles, because somebody is going to drink them. Not everybody is drinking, you know, these super fruited sours or hazy IPAs. For instance, you know, people are drinking across the board. So I think, you know, like, for instance, I think a lot, some of the New York State hops that we've used in the past, either with Cousette or Fifth Hammer, we've used, had some really good results with Belgian style beers. Yeah. Uh, absolutely lovely. So I think, you know, I think it's interesting, but for us to do it, it is, you know, we're, we don't have nearly as much experience. You are working with these guys all the time right. and both the products and the farmers themselves, the growers themselves. Uh, so let's talk about some of your favorite New York state hops to use right now and what you've used them as. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have, we kind of narrowed it down when we first started, uh, when we first opened, we had about uh, 12 different hop farms that we worked with because it was a blanket kind of. I think we reached out to 30 some odd hop farms just so that we could have enough. I didn't know what was out there, who had what. It was just kind of, do you have hops? Can we have it? Yes. <laughs> and, um, so we got a lot, we, you know, we had a good response. You know, out of that, we had less than half of uh, the people respond. So um, from there, we've whittled it down to about six or seven or so farms that we've uh, think that are just putting out great stuff. Um, to name a few, it's it's a it's a Willet uh, hop farms out outside of Binghamton, Chimney Bluffs, who we were just uh, with up in Sodus, the Binyard outside of, in, in Casanova, um, Crooked Creeks, um, I'm Peterson hops. I know I'm forgetting people, so I, I apologize. Um, but in terms of the actual hops, it's it's again we're going with these for the most part classic varieties, Centennial. Newport, Nugget, Cascade, Chinook. Um, the only varieties that we're kind of playing with that are new are, um, well, kind of twofold. It's a Michigan Copper and Mackinac, which are coming out of uh, Michigan uh, from Great Lake Hops. Um, but then we're also playing with a couple old school heirloom varieties um, that that are. That are that some of the growers are working with, um, like Indian Ladder Farmstead, who we worked with. It's so it's it's, but so it's we're trying to play with these different varieties and 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 create these unique uh, characters. Um, anything from a uh, blonde ale, IPA, brown. So we're uh, stouts. You know, we're playing with all kind of across the spectrum of in terms of styles. Um, and we're trying to, you know, create uh, these unique profiles uh, with what we have, and 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 these these hops are are great, and it depends on the the farm that you go to. It depends on um, it depends on the year. So we're still, you know, even in our third year, we're like, okay, well, what are we actually getting this year? Um, Really, what you know, when this farm brewery license came into effect in 2012, um, what should have happened, and I don't think it quite did the way that it should have, was that we should have, you know, there should there 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 needed to be a concerted effort to create varieties that were specific to New York, and that were uh, that were propagated here and grown here for the market here, but also abroad. Um, but that were, that was a driving force of, of hops in this state, because what, ha what what's happening right now is we're playing with these, these varieties 
And while the Cascade here or the Centennial here might be unique compared to out west, you know, what we're doing um, there, it's, it's, we're nuances. It's new, it's, so it's nuanced and it's, it's differentiating, but you're, you're asking someone to talk about like nuanced differentiation when if you have uh, Citra or these other, you know, sim- like those are just like such a different kind of ball field. Uh, you're you're playing with a, a you know a different palette. Um, so until we are we are creating our own, propagating and breeding our own uh, hops in New York, we're always going to be playing kind of second fiddle. Uh, we're going to be following in the footsteps because we're going to be like Citra eventually will become a non-proprietary hop and it will trickle its way down here and we'll be able to use it. Um, or the Michigan or, you know, the Michigan hops are making their way here, but we're not, we're, we're always following. We're not leading and we need to be leading. But there are, there is some hop breeding going on, right? Isn't Cornell have a program? it's a it's a little uh, I so I don't know the the full stint of the program. We'll have um, to save that for it. We'll see if we can do a future show with yeah. a, mm-hmm. a Cornell yeah. agriculturist. Because I, I know they are, they're doing stuff, but I, I don't know. It's so I guess I, I shouldn't talk because I don't know exactly where they are. But I don't think it's as robust mm-hmm. as I would like to see. And it didn't start immediately after. Right. Do you know more? I mean, is, no, I don't. And it, I mean, it kind of makes sense because. I mean, this is a, like it took the Yakima, you know, Yakima Valley a long time, many, right. many years to get to where they are. It takes They're, a decade for a yeah. hop to come to market. Yes. So, um, so yeah, so I think, you know, a lot of these things might be in place or are starting to get in place. Right, we but, have a, you know, hopefully Right, but we, we should be seeing, future. like, so it's years, it's year seven. And then all the growers that I talk to have not, there's no, there's no, there's no dissemination of information. And, and like, they should be getting, if, they should be getting trials, mm-hmm. you know, and no one's hearing about that. And it's just not a, I feel, to me, I feel like the, the malt uh, has has a much more cohesiveness to it. Um, they're still, they still have their own issues. They're still figuring out what uh, varieties of barley work in New York and they're getting all this stuff and there's a lot of work to do there. So they're there, but they're doing an amazing job and I feel like there's a little bit more Understanding, they have uh, better overall programs that are at least available and visible to brewers mm-hmm. like me. Where I feel the hops, at there, there, there needs to be a little bit more cohesion and 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 working together and and understanding and growth and dissemination of information. Because um, you can go to one hop farm, you know, up in one part of the state and just see like what you you know it's like looking at like pacific northwest you know style uh yields and then you go to a bunch of other ones in the state and they're just they're they're they don't have the the knowledge or the manpower or whatever they're doing they're just not there um and it's everything within that yeah it's like there's a spectrum there's this great big uh you know and it's just it's everything within that and it's like we could be great at creating great stuff here, and and I've tasted it. And we, you know, I brought some beers that we can try and uh, do that. But I think we need to. 
there's a lot that we need to do as a as as state as brewers as uh, farmers as malt houses and to to really bring us to that next level cool and on that note we're gonna take a brief break we'll break up in one of these beers and get them poured for us and we'll be back with more ferment about it Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. Since the early 1900s, Emmy has been a passionate supporter of farmers, cheesemakers, and family tradition. They believe in sustainable agriculture and respect for the people, land, and animals that make their business possible. Remaining dedicated to tradition, they strive to lead the industry in innovation, ensuring they bring you only the highest quality, best tasting cheese from Switzerland. Emmy is best known for importing more than 80% of the Swiss Gruyere into the United States, but that's not to overshadow their other specialty cheeses, including Kaltbach Cave Age cheeses, Der Scharfe Max, Appenzeller, Tete de Moin, and traditional Emmentaler. For more information, visit emmyusa.com. back to ferment about it on heritageradionetwork.org today we are here with jason sailor of strong rope who has some strong feelings about the uh <laughs> the brewery <laughs> license Sorry. we are also here with jeff oh, no it's great we're also here with jeff lines of keg and lantern i know we could do multiple shows on uh we could just have a show up where a panel talks about their feelings about the brewer's <laughs> <Yes>. license. <laughs> a lot of feelings. Oh, man. All the feelings. All right, so let's... Ooh. We, so we, we'd Jason, all get in trouble with that. Yeah, yeah. we might. No, no. No, it's good. I think, you know, the, the we all want to see import... You know, we all want to see improvement. There are a lot... How many, Do you know the current number of farm breweries in New York State? I, last I mean, number I heard amount. was about 200. Yeah, that's... And there's over 400 regular breweries... Oh, overall breweries yeah. in a state. It's... Yeah, New York State is thriving. There's a lot of breweries. Wise. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. So uh, I, during the break, you uh, poured us a drink here. Uh, what is this? Yeah, so this is a, this is 24-hour dancer. This is a, one of our pale ales. It's a, it's a New York Craft uh, Erie Canal Pale uh, Malt with uh, Michigan Copper Hops uh, from Willet Hop and Centennial from Peterson. All, this is delicious. This is really smooth. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, this this is a uh, uh, both in the in the boil and in the dry hop. Um, the Michigan copper hops, you said. Uh, both uh, the both the Michigan copper and the Centennial. Okay, cool. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's just you know what we tend to do in in, in Strong Rope is create pretty uh, classic beers, um, and um, you know, I part of it is is for me kind of coming from a homebrew background. Jumping into a commercial brewery on my own, I felt like I needed to get back to, you know, just kind of do the basics and learn, you know, it's like, it's like learning art. Like I'm just, I'm learning how to paint. Like I'm learning the figure drawings right now. Like, um, and we're, we're still playing around, but I, I, I like just being this kind of simplified and, you know, let's just play with these ingredients and really see what they're doing. And, 
You know, I mean, I mean, Jeff is doing the same thing. He's doing some amazing stuff at uh, Kang and Lantern as well. Uh, on, um, on, a, on a much slower pace, uh, a, much, <laughs> a much a much smaller scale, just based on the number of beers that we're putting out. As much as we love to embrace uh, 100% New York ingredient beers, um, I've just been a little a little bit more hesitant because we don't have that as a as a stamp as a flag in the ground saying we are this thing and i think you know we we admire what you're doing and and support you so much and just just have so much love for what you're doing and want to do that but if we're not set up from day one to do that we're like well let's just let's just support jason and love what jason does and we'll We'll make our beers here and there that we do, and and we actually have a few that we do keep up pretty regularly. I mean, we have a we have 100% New York ingredient pilsner. We have a 100% New York ingredient uh, pale ale, which really could probably pass as an IPA if we really wanted to to push those envelopes and and kind of but I, blur that distinction. Um, I mean, there there certainly are ingredients that allow you to do these things. It's just how many, how much. Um, but that's I, important. I, I think that I think that one of the things just drawing from one of the things you said in the in the first segment was I I never want to disagree with you and I don't want you to take it this oh, way. Do, but you, no, when, when, disagree. When you, let's let's when, have at it, please. man. Let's do I mean, this. We'll, we'll, have it. We'll drop them and go. We'll, we'll do it. But uh, it, I I heard you say that <clears throat> we're sort of behind or we're we're playing catch up or. Or something to that effect, and I think I think there are so many people in this state that feel that way. And I really, I really know, I know deep in your heart of hearts that you don't, you don't feel that the way that that, that came out. And I, I think that what we need to keep in perspective, uh, and I'm about to throw a paraphrase of one of one of the quotes that gets quoted to me from people who know you um, <laughs> repeatedly, and I think it's awesome. It's become a legacy, which is just just beautiful. But I. I, you've said things like, you know, like craft beer drinkers want different. Well, this is different. Like, do you really want different, or do you do you just want the same beer with a different named hop, even though it's going to taste essentially more or less the same as the previous beer with a different named hop? Whereas, when you're embracing what you've embraced, and you're embracing 100% New York ingredients, and all of these people who are growing them all, all the people who are malting this grain, all of the people who are growing the hops and processing these hops, there's a beauty to embracing that and embracing the actual difference and what what you can come to create with that. It is going to be very, very different yeah. than trying to just use all of the best European malts and all of the best Pacific Northwest hops and yes, every, every brewery can open a brewery and, and make a New England IPA or a Juicy IPA or a Double IPA or this or that. And I, I think that what you're doing and, and what I hope to follow in the footsteps of eventually is embracing that difference and the uniqueness of these grains and these hops and watching what you've done over the past three years has been pretty amazing and and going from where you started which was which was a beautiful representation of what these new york ingredients are and watching what you've learned yourself over the past three years and the way that these beers are all being presented now um 
it's it's pretty astounding to watch that growth and it's really encouraging and i think that for somebody like myself it's it's absolutely inspiring to and motivational to think about where we can all go with all of these you're doing an incredible job of exploring the styles that you really hold close to mm. your heart and i think there are some of us that that just have different styles that we love and as much as we love what you're doing we're sort of taking inspiration from what you've done with these ingredients and kind of want to attack it in a different way and you know you sort of which is important i joke about you and i being able to open breweries next to each other because as much as as much as where our heart and soul is coming from the same place and pushing in the same direction if you took the venn diagram of like the beers that you want to make and the beers that I want to make yeah. ultimately the, like there's that little <laughs> tiny crossover in the middle but, it, but I mean we'd work so well together and no, I, anybody I, who wants anything would be happy yeah. one place or the other um, but I just think that the, you've, you've sort of opened a lot of our eyes and, and given us a lot of inspiration as to what really can be done and really to me spoken to me about I really genuinely feel that I could very in a, in a, in, a, in the very near future open a brewery commit to 100% new york ingredients in in the way that you've embraced mm. do something quite different than what you're doing but but aspire in the same way to making really genuinely world class beers using these ingredients and I, I i don't necessarily know that any of us really would have felt that way a number of years ago and i i think we're really at that yes. point where we can aspire to that and really genuinely feel like we can get there in a in a in a pretty near future type well, situation. Also, everyone that knows you, Jason, knows that you're way too humble. I'm just saying, <laughs> good, stay humble. But and I think you know what Jeff is saying is true. And you know, we kind of joke. I've I've gotten a little bit sarcastic, but you know, there is New England IPAs, and and now I think these super fruited sours are the rage. That's the that's the shit that gets the buzz on Instagram, right? The gazillion yeah. likes and and all of that stuff, but. But not everybody's drinking that. People are drinking everything. I mean, even in, you know, and I have personally, because, you know, we run this tasting room, so it's been a really cool thing to see. People are drinking things across the board. And, you know, we had, like, Chris did a Belgian Golden Blonde. Hmm. Um, that was the best, like, our best seller many, many days. Hmm. So, nice. you know, we've had, you know, I mean, and these are all, like, and look, I'll be honest. When I go out to drink... <laughs> I'm not ordering a New England IPA. Right. I'd rather order this pale ale or somebody's Pilsner or, you know. So, so look, the tide might be turning at some point. Let's just be honest. People not right. only now uh, drink everything, but they're going to continue to drink that way. So, you know. We, we, we always joke, right, about yes. when, when brewers end up in a yes. room, the completely different taps that are getting oh, yeah. poured. Um, right. But, but, I, but I, I think okay. Jason touched on that from day one. And I think that's why any given day, if you randomly show up at Strong Rope, you're going to run into somebody you know if you're in this industry mm -hmm. because so many of us genuinely love the beers that you're making. And they're, they're basically brewer's beers. M many of us feel lucky to make one or two of those at a time. And you're yes. kind of making an entire business out I'm of it. I'm just not listening to the market. That's just all. I'm just doing what I want to do. But wait, do. I, I want to talk about this beer, though. So th th tell, okay, what this malt profile is awesome, first of all. Um, yes, that was the, I believe it was the New York Craft uh, uh, Erie Canal Pale. It's it's 100%, it's 100%. Erie Canal Pale. Super, super Dude. simple. It, it's it's it a super simple beer. It has a lot of depth. Like, it's... 
clean. I mean, like it's, it's a very clean malt, but it also yeah. has almost that like I don't know that nuttiness would be the right word, but almost that kind of you know I always associate Maris Otter with like that nuttiness, like that extra I mean, depth, like that extra richness. Ted's Pale's got a really nice kind of backbone, and and uh, Ted Holly from New York Craft Malt, by the way, sorry. Um, Ted, He's an awesome guy. Yeah, uh, and super super knowledgeable and and, and intense. Uh, about his malts and, and loves it and is everywhere and is just great. Um, and he's, and he's, he's making great stuff on a very, on a, on a relatively small scale. Um, I think it's like probably the, the second biggest mall house in the state, but that's not, you know, saying that much. Um, but he's, 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 they're, they're doing a, a, a killer job and, and creating a variety. And he's the, actually the, the, the first one in the state uh, to be producing roasted malts, which has allowed us to jump to 100% New York uh, ingredients across the board. Because before, we were making uh, a lot of our specialty beers, or not a lot of our specialty beers, a lot of our beers that use specialty malts, um, like the Stouts and the Browns and the Reds, uh, were not using New York State ingredients because it just wasn't available. Um, and he's been able to to do that and and push us, uh, you know, across that that board and and um, you know really excited uh, uh, to to be able to do that and you know we, we just I, I love working with his stuff and I love working with him and and uh, and yeah it's it's I think it's just it's it's such a good uh, flavor profile and. Uh, great to work with, uh, you know, all, all of the, like the brewer things, like the great efficiency, uh, you know, lottery and all that stuff. Like, it's just a really nice, uh, profile and it's, uh, and I think that's important. And I think that, you know, he, you know, he takes great care and all that. And so that's, that's, uh, you know, kind of why we, we stuck with him and, and, um, yeah. And, and, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, Sorry, I just want to jump back to kind of what you said. Before. But I, I, I think I think what you're what sort of what you're speaking to is that that Ted has created at least in the I, I think maybe across the board, but particularly with his Pilsner malt, he's created something that we we expect when we order a Pilsner malt from Germany or or, or where where have you, where you know, France, Belgium, and yeah. any of these traditional places where these Pilsner malts that are that are deemed like the best in the world and, and the most sought after, you can get those in and you can create any style of beer with that as your base malt. And I can definitely attest to the fact that we have used Ted's Pilsner malt, New mm. York Craft Malt Pilsner malt, across the board and, and just made really pretty exceptional beers no matter the style. Like, you can... You yeah. can use it as the base. You can use it as a hundred percent in the backbone. Um, there's actually some homebrew sitting on the table from from myself what, what? that 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 is that. But you yeah. can also do uh, some of the things I've tasted in, in and this is that you've mixed done firm, right? Yes, but my, my point being that you <laughs> you can add specialty malts, whether it be from him or somebody else, and and that he lays the base that allows you to go so many different directions. But I don't think I don't think you should be so. I, I, sorry, I didn't mean to to cut you off, but the the mixed firm is an important thing because I'm I'm doing very clean kind of classic uh, American English styles, even if they're slightly uh, off. Uh, you know. You know, maybe not exactly 100%. They're in that vein. Um, and it's good to see people using these ingredients in all different styles, whether it's saisons or uh, mixed fermentation beers or, 
uh, lagers or whatever. It's important that these these beers, these ingredients are explored in the entire uh, ecosystem of beers um, so that we can all. Um, sorry, I don't even have, oh, I'm gonna have to grab one of those glasses. Um, and, and, and I think that's that's important. Uh, so it's because I'm not going to be doing those types of things. And I think that's where that Venn diagram comes back into play. Exactly. Is yeah. that, you know, we have this and that's what I want to see in, in this uh, in, in how. And, and that's why one of the great things of like why we work where we work. Um, um, you know, we're we're in Gowanus. Uh, threes is uh, four blocks north of us. Other half is uh, not you know twenty minute walk. Folks beers right there, mm-hmm. and they're all such different breweries, and they make such different beers, and and they make such great beers, and it's such a cool thing, and and you know it it pushes me to be very cognizant, even though we're different, about like how good our beer needs to be because we need to be uh, you know I mean other half is listed as one of the you know the, the world's best in like a lot of polls and and other ha- uh threes is is winning the the state uh you know uh award like two time two years in a row like these are put i mean the loggers coming out of folks beer it's it's awesome and it's so cool to be a part of this this scene and and and, and stuff so i i, I want to make sure that even you know that that what we're doing and that this this step that we're taking to work with New York ingredients is is showcasing those ingredients. I don't want to I don't want our beers to be, you know, I don't want to showcase at, at such a young age these these malt houses and these hop farmers in a bad light because that that could easily go to uh turn people off of them because everyone's look there's no one not many people are doing it so it's, it's it's very easy to kind of if you're not doing it in the right way it's very easy at this point to kind of uh sour the entire idea about using new york state ingredients uh while i love where this conversation is going <laughs> and it's so great we have a few minutes left we really need uh, i really want to hear about this scottish yeast that's sure. going on uh so why what are you doing with Scottish yeast? Why use Scottish yeast? What are the special properties of oh, it? As opposed to I, although I gotta be honest, yeast. I'm like, man, I know. we should continue this in another show. But let's can I, can I buy, thir- do, like, can I buy 30 seconds before you start in your explanation <laughs> as to how you use this? Uh, so I was fortunate enough to, to have Ben and Danielle, who were just in town, work. Uh, I, I was mm. able to work for them at, at Brooklyn Homebrew. And Jason was one of our many uh, repeat so customers who we... Who we who we loved watching come in and, and got excited when we'd see him walk in the door, right? But we were always super excited to see what Jason was going to brew. But I used to laugh and be like, well, how many packs do you want? It was it was never which yeast. It was always, do you want one or do you want two? <laughs> it was always Scottish. And yeah. it was so intriguing. Like, such, a, such an interesting... <laughs> Jason was at the forefront of thinking about <laughs> Scottish yeast and what it was able to do and the... the, the wide array of beers he was able to make with it and it was it was enlightening to me then and it's it's awesome to watch I that mean, grow honestly it was due to laziness it was <laughs> it, it, i mean at the beginning at the beginning don't kill my dreams <laughs> sorry <laughs> no the 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 scott the so i i, I had been brewing a, a bunch with a different uh a couple different styles of yeast i had some american i had some english um, what I found was that uh, the Scottish ale yeast strain for me 
gave a very uh, a, a really nice profile um, on both kind of a clean fermented uh, or you know like low ester profile uh, to a more um, you know pr- uh, prominent ester profile at higher temperature. So like low temperature, clean, higher temperature, uh, estery, uh, more, more English, pr- primarily, right? Yeah, uh, more 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 fruity stone fruit, uh, apricot, uh, that type of thing. Um, so, um, what I, what I realized was like, well, like, you know, if I'm going to start a brewery, like I, you know, I don't have, I don't have great experience with doing all of, you know, a, a lot of, uh, yeast management. So I tried to make it as easy on and myself. And yeast management takes time. So. And, and time and experience. Yeah, and it's, exactly. it's not a, you know, it, it, every beer is different and, and how you treat it is different. So to me, it was trying to create. I knew that I was going to open a brewery and I was like, well, let's, let's, I'm going from a homebrew to a, a professional brewery size. Let's, let's try to, let's try to minimize the things that could go wrong. Let's, let's, so it, I, it, you know, somewhat in, you know, before I opened, I started homebrewing with the Scottish Ale yeast strain. From there, I was able to see, okay, let's, we can manipulate it in ways, uh, you know, while we're brewing what we're doing. Uh, to create uh, unique profiles, you know, if we create it, if we go really low, like 60, it almost has like, I don't want to say a lager-like character, but has a really, really clean uh, character that we do with our cream ale, um, that we've done with our, uh, you know, uh, Kentucky Common, you know, it's not exactly, but, um, and, and a couple other beers, or if we jump up to like, on the higher end of the range, 68 degrees, um, we're, we're getting, uh, some nice, like, uh, stone fruit. And, uh, I've also found that if you kind of slightly under pitch or stress it, um, you get this amazing, almost strawberry berry flavor out of it. Um, so we've done that, uh, accidentally a couple times. Um, but in, more recently we've actually purposely tried it and we've, we've gotten the same results, um, and, 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 you know, in our, in our, uh, newest, you know, we were, where we made lazy stargazer, which is our strawberry seasonal. Um, and I stressed, stressed the yeast in that way. And even before we put the strawberries on there, it just, it had such a, you know, berry strawberry character, um, you know, also with Ted's malt. Uh, and it just, it, it, you know, it really awesome thing. So if it's something that we can keep on replicating and keep on playing with and it has such versatility you can do really low alcohol beers to really high alcohol beers um so for for me it's like it's the per it's it's the perfect yeast for what we want to do because it it has such versatility and and uh, mobility and uh, uh and and ways to express itself uh in ways for us to try to express what we want to get out in those beers and I can attest to this because, so when I sat down with Brett and yeah. you were, you know, uh, we were tasting beers with Jason and I was like, wait, this is Scottish Ale? You said, this is all, I mean, yeah, yeah you're getting completely different profiles yeah. using very similar, you know, you're not doing anything crazy with the malt or the hops yeah. in those beers. You're just, it's really driv- yeast driven. So yeah. I was, I mean, I, I was really, really impressed. I will just say it, it's, you were, yeah, it, it's super cool. Thank you. And I never use Scottish ale yeast as a as a home brewer, so. I mean, I, I I think it kind of I think I kind of probably stumbled on it at at Brooklyn Homebrew <laughs> with 
with Jeff and uh, Ben and Danielle and whoever else was there at that time and and like those guys I I I honestly don't remember exactly I remember that I used to use the um, uh, oh shit what was it uh, 1956 or was that English uh, the Fuller Strain no I don't remember 1968 yeah what Fuller's Fuller Strain okay so I used ESB yeah 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 so I used that and then I think at one point you didn't have it and I jumped onto like the Scottish or something like that. I don't know. It was happy mistake. Yeah, right? happy mistake. And then I was just like, oh, I really like this. And I was just like, all right, well, let's let's do it. And I read about it and I was like, oh, it seems very pretty versatile. Let's let's keep it going. We, we're going to open a brewery. I only want to manage one yeast. <laughs> so, again, lazy. But very effective. Yeah. Because that cream ale, because that was a cream, you, the cream ale. So that's at the low end. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's super, we, we, we uh, slow fermented at 60 degrees. So it's on the low, probably somewhat below the, what they actually call for. Um, and uh, and which, which you can actually come to uh, Strong Rope at 574 President Street next Tuesday uh, for the cream ale Young Line of the West in cans. Uh, first time it's ever in cans, people. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm. So, so ex- I don't know. I just love our brewing scene. It's true. <laughs> it's so good. I, I did a call out to, for dishwasher advice because we need a new dishwasher. Uh, I know. I wish I could have. I, I saw thought that, that was going to come up on the show today. Yeah, but I, maybe no a different dish, time. I don't have a dishwasher. But so. I just have to say, I emailed. So the New York City Brewers Guild uses a Google group to communicate online. And I emailed the Google group. And I've had so many people get back to me with such great advice. Anyway, it's just great. Yes, this Jeff, this beer is also yeah, sorry. delicious. Didn't want to jump in your... All right, we got it. We got to go. But Jeff, I want to uh, tell you, I want you to tell us about this beer real quick. Okay. Uh, 32nd elevator pitches. Uh, this is a hundred percent, uh, Pilsner malt from, from Ted nice. from New York craft malt. Um, I've been doing a, a whole bunch of home brews. I started, I, I had a quick blip where I stopped home brewing um, for maybe a year or so, and I'm back in it, and I'm on a I'm on a every three weeks uh, clip where I'm doing nice. split batches of the same wort, and then pitching one half uh, with lager yeast and making basically a pilsner out of it, and one half in with this mixed culture uh, that I started with bottled dregs, which is what we're having now. So this particular one is, and, and so far it's 100% New York craft malt pilsner base, every single beer. Yay, Ted. Hey, Ted, Ted and Patricia. Awesome. <laughs> um, I, love, I love him, and I love them, and yeah, I love what great. they give us. But I also, uh, and, and so each iteration has a different hop so that I can start to learn more and more and more about what New York hops are giving us. And uh, this particular iteration is Newport from Willet Hop mm, Farms. Nice. Yeah. In a, in, a, in a mixed culture that will hopefully, that I love, and that I think dominates all of the beers, and I've just realized that it doesn't matter which hop I put in this. This culture dominates <laughs> yes. and makes a really nice beer. And yes. uh, yeah, I just sit back and like take credit for what this mixed culture does. It's pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. But this hopefully will be a workhorse for me one day, whenever that comes to awesome. do my own thing. Yeah, nice. Well, thank you guys so much thank for you. being on. So yes, please. I mean, that's a great thing about New York City is that there, first of all, are over 35 breweries now, I think, that you can actually physically visit. Um, and like 36 starting next week. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and we have great public transportation here. So 
it is really easy to get around and and be able to do not only neighborhood brewery crawls, mm-hmm. but um, but also just easily transition from run brewery to the next using public transportation or uh, or your favorite um, ride sharing ride sharing person company, uh, <laughs> which we have a lot. We have at least what four or five ride sharing companies. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it's cool. So if you do come to New York City, please visit Jason at Strong Rope. Jason, what what when is your tap room open? Uh, our tap room is open uh, Tuesday through Sunday. Uh, yeah, again in Gowanus on 574 President Street between 3rd and 4th Avenue. And then Jeff? Yeah, Keg and Lanyard opens at 11 o'clock every single day of the week. And it goes until pretty late. It, it varies, but yeah, Great. Pretty, pretty late every night. Yeah, awesome. Go get those beers. Thank you guys so much for listening. We are planning a very ex- exciting season. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited to be back, actually, Rachel. I yeah, was a little nervous because we haven't been in the studio for a while, uh, but I'm really excited. Yeah, so. I'm back. Um, I'm excited to start uh, planning some interesting things for the season. Uh, so if you guys have any ideas or if you guys yes. want to like hear about anything in particular or from anyone in particular in the homebrew scene or in the fermentation scene, uh, reach out to us. Uh, we're on Twitter at Ferment About It. We're on Instagram at Ferment About It. We're on uh Facebook on Foment About It and uh, we have a, an email address fomentaboutit at gmail.com and we would also love to um, to talk about an audience recipe tip trick oh, yeah. um, whatever ferment you do at home we would love to have your tips and tricks and recipe and share them with our listeners so please you know communicate with us one of those ways we'd love mm-hmm. to hear from you mm-hmm. alright thank you so much yeah we'll be back Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.